Welcome back to the podcast. This week's episode is our live show available on Facebook and YouTube every week. It's our Talking Points show where we go through everything that's happening in the rugby league world at the moment for the week. Uh, we've got what's happening in South Sydney, eight tackle try set. Uh, how does that even happen these days? Um, new segment, Adam's Beef, something you don't want to miss out on. It was a cracking segment to start with. Um, we've got TBJ's retirement, the tackle and Garrick, just to name a few things. You can also catch the um, video version of this on our YouTube account, our Spotify and our Apple is where you'll get our podcast uh, each and every week. We've got special player interviews, things like that. You can also catch any of our weekly posts on our Facebook, Instagram, Threads and TikTok account. Thank you. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the live show. Apologies early on about the couple minutes delay. Thought I'd be right up there and into the uh, the new way of things and making it all professional and get a new mic and can't seem to get it working. So hopefully the sound is good for, for this show. Please let us know if it does drop out or anything like that and, and I'll fix it up as we go. But got the, the boys uh, fired up and Jez is the only one out of all of us that actually has everything set up properly. So You'll hear him like an absolute movie star this week, like he did last week, and thought I'd be able to join him, but I haven't been able to. So, uh, boys, straight off the bat, I just want to um, I want to go to the performance of the week first before we talk about uh, – actually, no, I'll, let's switch it around. We've obviously got our Lifeline Australia uh, headlines. We normally have something funny, but I think it was quite appropriate that Jez mentioned it today on, on our chat to, to do it this way, and – uh, obviously, we send our condolences out there to Kyle Turner's family, friends, the club. Uh, I think we could see clearly yesterday that uh, uh, it was one of those ones where a lot of us were thinking maybe South will get up for this game because of what's happened. But when you put your human hat on and you just go, you know what, I think that they've gone through hell um, here in one of their best mates, what, what has, got, has happened. And uh, we send our deepest condolences out to, to everyone involved. Rugby community shines in these sorts of times in need. And just as we've got the numbers up, if you ever do need a chat, please reach out to, to the number, or even if it's just the, the page, give us a message. We're always happy to have a chat. Whether it's about footy, whether it's about life, whatever, just send us a message on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, however it is, uh, and we'll get to it. Um, Adam, want to uh, go to you first, your performances of the week for the NRL and NRLW. Yeah, I just want to touch on quickly on what you said first. And I know Nico Hines obviously done a lot of stuff around mental health in the NRL, but um, I think it's time and it really is time for the NRL to start considering that mental health round um, to raise a bit of awareness about it. Um, like, you know, it's you never really know what's going on in someone's life. Um, like I've been through hell and back in the last 18 months. I never got to that point, but I obviously had some close friends and, you know, once in this room that I can think that was always there to chat to when I needed to. So... I think it's about time we raise awareness for it because it is becoming an issue and, you know, we're seeing obviously now what's that, three retired players slash coaches that have obviously, you know, struggled with the circumstances surrounding being retired from the NRL or life after it. Um, and, you know, there seems to be more awareness around it. It's, you know, we have all these good rounds in NRL and some great awareness and stuff being made, but it really is time for that to be considered, especially with obviously the pressure the players go through as well throughout the NRL career. So uh, moving on. My Hang on, before you there, do, whilst we're still yeah. on the topic... Um, I just want to touch on that as well. If you do know someone that is going through some tough times in their life or you can you, you can see that they're struggling, do reach out. Um, it can be awkward at the start, but it can really generate some really positive conversation um, and help steer them in the right direction. 
it's as simple as saying, hey, do you want to catch up for a beer? Um, so please do reach out to your friends. If you haven't spoken to them in a while, send them a text. It takes 30 seconds, if that, to flick a text, and it can really change someone's life. Uh, you, you don't know the impact of words or just reaching out to a mate. So that's why our all of our taglines are Lifeline Australia. That resource is there if you need it as well. Um, but please do reach out if even in the comments, reach out if, uh, if you need a chat because we're all here for you. All right, Adam, let's get on with the show. Well, I hate footy, um, so it's going to be hard to do my performance. <laughs> because I, I, really, I really hate footy. Look, it's really funny. Like I, I actually watched probably more games this weekend than I have any other time because I've been so off it. But I actually had Lachlan Fitz given down as my performance of the week. They didn't play the second half. But in that first half in that game yesterday, he was just everywhere. Um, absolutely just kept popping up to make try savers. This was dangerous. And I was thinking, why are they letting this bloke go to the Super League? Like, I, I know a lot of, I talk a lot of shit about letting players go to the Super League when they're ready, but I don't think he's ready. The way he's playing, he's in great form. So there, there could be a backflip happen there. I don't know. It's obviously the week for talk of backflips, but um, I thought he was superb, obviously, um, in that. If we're going team performance of the week, uh, I'm going to get it up because I've got to remember, remember the games, to be honest. I'm that off today. I'm that off footy. It's my least favourite thing. And then go the Swans. The Swans are on a roll. Um, Cronulla. I'm just going to target Cronulla in general and just say they're – we had a miss in the finals, what, three, four weeks ago. I think everyone did. Now they're looking they could be a top four spot. So there's my team performance of the week. Um, NRLW, Look, like I said, once again, didn't didn't see a lot of footy on the weekend. The moments I did see, um, Jesse Seafo obviously, you know, icing a game pretty much on full time. We forget how young she is and such pressure to be able to do that. And obviously the Knights come over the win there. Um, Honourable mention to Parramatta for actually turning up in the women's game and giving a red-hot crash for the first time this year. Yeah, Jez. I had a couple written down just because there were so many hat-tricks across the, the round uh, for the men. So... We had Warbrick for the uh, Storm. He had a hat trick. Uh, Greg Marju is my player of the round. He had three tries, 241 run meters, uh, 11 tackle breaks. So he's just really jumped up that uh, try scoring list. We all thought it was going to be Dominic Young that was going to break the Knights record, but it seems like he's catching him very quickly. Um, Dallin Wateni Zelezniak, I think I didn't butcher that too badly. Uh, three, three tries, 173 run meters. He was instrumental in there. Their win, a um, bit of controversy in that game, which we'll touch on later. And then Jacob Saab got a hat trick as well. So three tries, 145 run meters. But Greg Marju was my player of the round. Watching that live was pretty great. And again, it's going to be the Knights women's team. The, the comeback against a very, very strong and solid Broncos team, they were just running through the middle of us. And I thought that we were going to be dished up a, a loss there, but they they came back and Jesse... Ice in a vein, Southwell uh, sealed it on the buzzer. It was fantastic to watch in front of, I think it was 17,000 they put up by the end there. So excellent turnout for the women's game and a really nice day in Newcastle for us supporters. Can can we just make a little statement here that we never mention the name Greg Marju on this show again? Please. <laughs> because okay. yeah, I'll, write it, yeah, I'll write it down my notes. Yeah. He, he changed his Sorry. name. He couldn't wait to get away from our club that bad. Like, like. <laughs> I think Michael's just put it up. Yeah, we'll swap. You can have Sivo and we'll have Marge. I suggested that in the Parramatta group about a year ago and everyone told me it was rubbish. So have a look at him now. Anyway, sorry, Joel. Nah, you're right. I will go on the individual oh, theme. This... Sorry, Joel. Oh. There's there's one more. You know I'm about to bring up goal kicking. Um, 
honorable mention to Jared Croker, six from six, hundred percent. Well done. There we go. Sorry, that's we'll, all. We'll that's, that's my goal kicking thing. The, the goal kicker might be brought up again shortly when I do my performances <laughs> of the week. NRLW, I will go uh, Jesse Southwell. As already mentioned, I thought um, just just to nail that conversion right at full time. I've seen a lot of players in the past miss those sorts of kicks, and I thought to step up in a massive moment. The crowd was building there. We knew it was a massive day for rugby league uh, in Newcastle. It was, it was packed, sold out. And to see her do that was was phenomenal. She's it was the young bull up against the uh, the old old uh, stallion basically who's done it before many times, and um, it was just great to see Jesse get one up there. And she's going to be a freak for for years to come. And I feel like dominate this NRLW competition. For the NRL side of things, I'm going Kalen Ponga's first half. I thought it was one of the best first half performances I've seen. Um, this year, uh, and by his standards, I think Ponga is at the pinnacle of his career at the moment in terms of form. Um, it's the best we've seen him play consistently. It's it's crazy. I was listening on the on the uh, on the way home from going to an ultrasound type thing this afternoon with the misses, and I was listening to some NRL stuff, and they mentioned Ponga, and she goes. It must be something to do with uh, the origin and not playing origin, and, and she's probably right. I should probably get her on the show instead of myself. But um, it's just great to see. That from what you like, it was almost the start of the year where he retired, and then to sh- see where he's come to now, and he's dominating every week. You think, all right, sides will work him out. There's no doubt they're studying only Ponga a lot of the time, and. They just can't do it. And I know he didn't get his conversions, which Jez will probably hate him for at the moment, and they'll be bugging him, they'll be tearing at him. But apart from his goal kicking, everything else he made up for. So, and can, can, we, stop, into- can, we, can we stop for a second? Because there's just too much night stuff happening here. I'm not like, Jeremy, <laughs> do you want to go to your Facebook? I, I'm actually banned. Um, I'm not allowed in the group, but do you just want to share this? podcast straight into the Mighty Knights group and we'll just get some Knights fans on here commenting. About I them. actually left that group. You added oh, yeah, me to it years ago and I left because they are they are quite obnoxious. But like to the fact where they, they can't handle criticism. So if someone says something bad about the Knights, it's just the the toys are out of the cot. At least I can I can take criticism when it comes to the Knights, but then I can sit here humbly with a smug look on my face when they're seven in a row. You know, I, I was removed after about a year and a half of constant shit talk, and it took him a long time to get me, but I obviously can't post it for that reason. Yeah, it was about seven weeks ago. We were sitting there smugly going, oh, it looks like we'll be fine, playing finals footy. The Knights will be getting to, uh, playing back to Bali, and now the, the roles have reversed. So enjoy it while you can, Jez. You deserve it. The Knights are playing great. Let's talk about yeah. South Sydney, though. I think that's the massive talking point to come out of this game is the fact that I'm personally, the more I think about this, after the game happened, I sort of was thinking on with my footy hat on and I said, oh, this is shocking. The way they're playing is is horrible and to not get up for this game. But as I mentioned when we started the show, it was a lot to get themselves up for mentally. I know having someone passed away previously in that, you always have like the first night is hor- horrendous. You can hardly sleep. Um things are going on in your head. It just will play over and over. And t- you could see visibly when some of them are running out, they would have tears in their eyes or they'd just been upset in the sheds. It would have been a hard day to, to get up for and actually focus on footy. It was one of those moments where footy comes second, but they're on the edge of not making finals football is the talking point out of this. And their big guns like Latrell, Cody, are just not stepping up. And Adam, where are you seeing South Sydney at the moment? Well, I'll start with, first of all, I think they don't make finals football. 
Um, Latrell's, I think, accepted that one game ban, so he'll be out against the Roosters. Um, momentum's a funny thing in sport. So the Roosters are carrying that momentum now with some big wins. Um, they'll do the Tigers this week, you would think, quite easily, which will carry more momentum than they'll have South Sydney, which you think. And I'll sort of call, which is South Sydney's home ground, but there'll be 40,000 to 50,000 people there, and the Roosters fans, um, I know, it's not a joke, the Roosters fans will come out of the woodwork like they do around finals time. So, um, look, when Parramatta played South Sydney earlier in the year, I had South Sydney winning the comp. Um, everything was looking perfect for them. It was peachy. They were travelling along. They weren't, obviously, I think they were on the cusp of the top four. And when Parramatta came out, they really exposed them. Um, they exposed their laziness. They exposed their defensive structure. And teams have just gone on with that since. And in a way, they remind me of Parramatta. Like they had to get themselves, they got themselves in a position where they had to get up for so long. They're struggling to do it now. Uh, I know, obviously, different circumstances around the weekend, but I'll touch on that in a sec. But for me... They just don't want to do the hard yards. They just want to play that attacking flamboyant footy. They want to get out the back with their block plays. And it was evident there the other day. They played their best footy when they actually were free to do that. And then obviously Luttrell, who had a very off game, dropped the ball and Bradman Best went through and scored it. If CR Sydney scored off that play, which they would have if they cut Luttrell out and hit the centre, I would have gone straight through. They could have probably gone on to win that game um, because it's the kind of game that suits them. But they don't want to do the hard yards at the start of the game to get themselves in a position to play footy. Um and just touching on, obviously, what happened, I think Damian Cook would have been just going off Instagram posts, one of the most affected players, obviously, in that regard. And you obviously don't know how it's going to affect someone, but he came out and had a blinder. I thought he was one of the best on field in the beaten team. Because yeah. um, I don't know if you guys know this, but he's pretty quick. He used to be a beach sprinter. So this, you know, uh, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Around, around, around oh, dummy, he was really starting to create trouble there for the night. So they're going to go on with this, yeah, Sydney. But then, obviously, the best try happened and the rest is history. It's fair to say, Jez, it was a danger game for the Knights. It was probably their strongest opponent they've played in this seven-week streak. So you would have been worried um, before the game, but I think midway through the first half, you would have thought the Knights were in control. Very worried leading into it. It's definitely one of the games where we thought we were probably going to drop. Um, South Sydney always seemed to step up for these sorts of games. But as Adam touched on, they they weren't willing to do the hard yards. I know there, there was the trauma of losing a, a close friend. But then again you'd like to think that they could use that as a bit of motivation as well. Uh, I'm not saying that it's going to take any of the pain away because it's, it's a horrific thing to go through. However, they, they were not, they were not there just body, mind, spirit. Uh, the Knights made them look like an under 12s team. There was a patch of 10 minutes where the rabbits looked really dangerous. And that was where, as Adam said, if that try, uh, if that pass worked, they would have scored the game probably would have evened out quite quickly and it would have been a, a bit of a fairy tale finish or a you know a nail biting finish, but Bradman Best picks it up, runs the field, scores, and that pretty much sets up the game. Uh, as much as I liked Cody Walker playing Origin, he was absent. He wasn't there. He's one of the ones that is not willing to do the hard work, and he's been called out on this before. He gets very lazy. I think the standard was set when Latrell. Um, <laughs> thank you, Michael. Uh, when Latrell missed the, the conversion from right in front, smacked it into the post, that pretty much summed up their game. I don't think that that set the standard for them. And the way that they just laughed that off, um, they were never going to win that game from there. But Damian Cook was definitely uh, their best player. And there was one of their forwards. I can't remember who it was. He played like a busted ass, but he he just he was all effort and he was fantastic to watch as well. So, yeah, 
But again, it comes into the next round when we play the Sharks. It's another game that could go either way. Yeah, it, it, the, the worry for mine with South Sydney is that it's, they've got to the point where these are must-win games and the players you look at to lead you to victory are your Damien Cooks, which we all agree he actually did do that yesterday. But the other two that are normally with him and, and doing that was Latrell and Cody. And they were just nowhere to be found. They, they were nowhere. I feel sorry for Ilias a little bit because I think the fans are being quite unfair to him and, and forgetting that he still is quite a rookie when it comes to the NRL. And look at your other senior players and ask yourselves, are they the ones that are stepping up? Because they should be. You see the other teams. You see the Roosters at the moment. Look at the players who are stepping up for them at the moment. It's Kiri. It's Tedesco. It's those sorts of players that are doing it. Where the South City at the moment, it's just not there. Like the, the fire is clearly out. And it's not just in the weekend. I think the fire's been out for probably two or three weeks. When, when you look at their performances, it's not about just obviously, unfortunately, what has happened. I think it's, it was before that was happening as well. It was that they're, they're just not together. And there's a lot of fans out there, and it's probably something we'll talk about in the offseason, is Demetrio and, and they want him out of the club. I've seen that a lot in their, their chats and things like that. Um, not sure if that's the, the way moving forward, but I know some frustrations are out there, as our Sparrow fans have as well. But, yeah, it, it's interesting. I want to move on to there's something else that happened like yesterday in the game and benefit of the night. So I feel like there could be an investigation already happening and they might have points stripped of them. They might finish last. I'm not sure. They might be gifted the wooden spoon. Hopefully. Hopefully. It was, oh, yeah, it yeah, was, yeah. It was, yeah. It was, it was their fault. <laughs> it was match fixing at its finest, clearly. The referee <laughs> can't, can't, can't count to, to six or seven. So. Please talk to us. How does this happen in the modern day? How do you score of an eight-tackle set? It was bizarre, wasn't it? Um, there was it was my dad sitting next to me. He called it out <laughs> live. He's gone. That's that's the eighth tackle. We've scored on the eighth tackle. Um, I think they need to go back to junior umpiring days when you have six rocks in your hand. So when you when you're umpiring cricket, you transfer a rock every time that the, there's a ball bowled. So maybe the referees have to go to having some sort of hands-on manipulative thing in their hand to make sure that they're getting the tackle count. But how does this happen in the modern game, honestly? It, it's... It's, I wish that. We, we, had, we had one referee, two touch judge in the bunker. Um, and it just it brings me back to the point I've ranted about for weeks now. I've been saying it for a long time. And I was watching, sorry, listening to the radio on Saturday, driving all the way to... Um, Nelson Bay for soccer, and they had Mitchell Moses. We won, by the way. Yeah, we we did win. We did win. Yeah, Jeremy causing trouble as well. Um, No comment. comment. Allegations. Um, Mitchell Mitchell Moses is on there. It's very rare for a player to actually talk out about things, but he actually highlighted he wants the bunker gone for anything but tries, and wants to go back to two referees. And said a lot of players agree with two referees, and it highlights the point that referees are starting to make simple mistakes. Um, and touch charges will garden gnomes walking with flags, but um, referees are starting to make simple mistakes because there's so much else to have to concentrate on. So they're forgetting how to count now. You know, it's yeah, it, it shouldn't happen in the modern game, but I, I kind of feel for the referees. As I said they've got too much going on. There is so much yeah. happening for them, but what we were saying in the chat is there's 40 odd forward passes that happen everywhere. It's the fundamentals of the game. Like that is a rule. You have to pass the ball backwards. I, I can't cop this at floated forward business. But what are the touch judges there for to keep the 10? They're there to wave away Kalen Ponga's conversions, as we joked about as well. But that's, but, that's yeah. basically all they do. 
in the they in the can't local be there league. to keep away. They can't be there to keep away uh, uh, the ten because how many times do we see it that players are clearly offside and nothing gets said? So it's like they're scared to make calls. Like yeah, that's yeah. this is what it's come to. They're scared to make calls because of the bunker overruling things. Like if they make the call and all strong, like there's you know obviously all the different cameras and stuff, which they need to back off a bit with this whole bunker thing. In the local league, one touch judge watches the ten. One touch judge watches the play the ball. Uh, from Fredericks yeah. to the play the ball, obviously the referee is doing everything else and trying to keep an eye on both at the same time. That's what it needs to go to, obviously, at NRL level. And I think that's what it's meant to be. But like I said, they're just scared to come in. Like, you know, obviously you've got the comms gear now. They make a very rare call on the forward pass. But Mr. Touch Judge is running in from the sideline. I saw that happen in a local uh, D-grade game of the week. And the Touch Judge come in about three times for the heckling of the crowd. But he didn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. And I fair Dickham Sage, we've got two more weeks and then we're into finals footy and we've, we can't keep a tackle count. Like, that. that's embarrassing for the game, I feel like. If you're not a rugby league fan, you see this in the news and you go, what? this is like the first rule you'd probably learn as a referee is that the, the, the tackle counts of each set. And to stuff that up so close to finals, it, it's it's embarrassing and it just sort of sums up for mine the officiating this year. It's been pretty mediocre and below average, but... Let's move on to the week, uh, the segment oh, of the week. It, which is... Sorry, Joel. It, it kind of highlights that the team in form gets those calls going their way as well. Yeah, I was so actually. A team yeah. like Parramatta probably wouldn't get that call. Um, but the Knights, they're on a high. They're rolling with it. We 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 have the roll, the, the rub of the green, if you will. Um, and that happens to those teams that are in form. They get those calls. I'll, I'll highlight on that try that the referee clearly hit the referee's leg. Um, you know, the official rule is that it should have been a scrum to the Newcastle yeah, position on the 10-metre line. If that game was at South Sydney, that call would have been made. Yeah. In front of a sold-out crowd at Newcastle, they didn't have the balls to make it. Um, yeah. And that's as simple as it. The referees are scared to make calls. And that's the point right to the game. But like I said, what can we do about it? Let's go move on from it and hope we'll they complain the about it again next week. Strip, strip yeah. the Knights all their points. And, um, yeah, we'll be moving. We'll be moving on about it, but the Knights will be getting a wooden spoon, so that's all well and good. Uh, <laughs> we'll move on to 2024. Um, look, let's move on to a segment this week that is new, and I know the viewers will absolutely love it. Um, Adam's got to the big time here at League of Inches and gets gets his own segment now. So get involved with the comments. Keep the the comments coming. Get involved with the talking points. We love it. Uh, we'll show it up and get your questions in as well. But Adam. Here's your chance to fire away. And, again, I think it has to do with yesterday's game. And oh, I've got about three, actually. I've got two from yesterday's game. Um, and I've got it needs, like, to be a sting or something before he starts talking. I can't even work out my mic. And you asked me to do that sort of stuff. <laughs> let's we'll start find something. Let's start with one that I'm not a big fan of. Look, I haven't got a problem if a player does something grubby or an ex-player returning. Or, you know, obviously something's happened. But booing of players, um, individual players. I've got no problem with booing of teams. I'm not one of those anti-booers. Um, and as Jeremy Holland, he was there. It wasn't the whole crowd. But, look, it come through pretty clear on TV that every time Latrell Mitchell um, touched the ball, there was booing. Um, I tried to stand up for him. For 79 minutes, he was clean. For 79 minutes, <laughs> he did nothing wrong. And I'm thinking, like, if he, if he did what he did to Frizzell in the first minute, go ahead, boo him. It's a grubby act. But... Latrell, if anything, Latrell should have a reason to be angry at the Knights and, you know, in the way that he's obviously from Tari, um, went through the system and was pretty much told they weren't interested in him and you now he obviously turned into a pretty good NRL player. But 
The fact fans are booing him yesterday for no reason. And it's happened to Latrell a bit. It happened at Parramatta. I didn't like it then. It's happened at several grounds. It just needs to stop. Um, it's getting into dangerous territory. And like I said, I, I know a lot of people say it's because of the way he acts on the field, the grubby things he's done and stuff. But, you know, I'm not trying to go down this track, but I'm going to say it, that we, we need to learn from what the whole Adam Goods thing. Um, and... Yeah, it's got me. Yeah, that's that. I was about 13 back then. He goes, Oh no, guys, during my big moment, I've locked my phone. No one reminded me to. Uh... Yeah, you still got that. I was trying to figure out his computer. Oh no, now I can't remember my password because I changed it today. Oh dear. It was. Oh, um, it's all happening. It was majority from the wet hill as well. So the people um, who would have thought alcohol and poor decisions, you know, there's what's the correlation there? Us up on the family hill, we were questioning why this was happening. We were asking the people around us, like, why are they booing Latrell? We honestly didn't know. Um, if it's something that's happened in previous games or it's just their perception of him, then Adam's absolutely right. It's just uncalled for. If that act happened at the start of the game, um, boo him. Absolutely boo him. If he did something on the field during that game, you can share that passion. However, just booing him because he touched the ball is it's disgusting. It really is. And we were sitting there baffled as to why it was happening. And it was a bit, it was not a bit, it was very disappointing as as um, Knights members to sit there and listen to the home crowd boo a very talented young man. Yeah. And like, like I was yeah. going to say before, my it's... computer locked on me. I don't want to see it go down to Adam Goodsing and become a racing because I don't think it is. I think it's the way he handles himself. I say people don't seem to like it, but we know how passionate he is about obviously his Indigenous background, stuff like that. So we don't want to turn into that. Um, Joe, I don't know if you've got anything to say about that one. I want to get on to point number two for Adam's beef. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, con- I'll just continue what you're saying and I hope that it doesn't go down those those dark paths and things like that because at the end of the day, I know fans pay their money to to an extent they can say or, or do as they please to a certain extent. But uh, Latrell, for mine, everyone will be the first people to talk about it whenever he does something great on the field. But they're also the first to say, have a go at him when he's just – he'll sneeze on the field and everyone will be like, oh, no, no, he can't get his germs on the field, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just embarrassing that I feel like it's embarrassing. You go to the game and you've got 40, 50-year-old men there booing a guy that's out there doing his best and, and providing entertainment that they're going to pay to watch. And you can just hear time, it. We got eight times their salary as well. <laughs> yeah, eight times their salary. And what's, what's the word? Like, a, before the Tyson thing happened, Please tell me the worst thing he's done this year because he's been pretty clean in my eyes. He hasn't really done much at all apart from uh, he was he was injured for a while. He was getting himself back there. I know all those people that were booing yesterday were probably the ones that were crying about him not being there for Origin Game 1 and saying that he would have been the one to get New South Wales to, to the series victory. So I just think pull your heads in a little bit, especially when we've, we've got all our headlines as it is, and it can really – we've seen the effects it can have – on those sorts of players. Like he had done nothing and you can just hear the booze so loudly. So um, yeah. anyway, let's go. Uh, Tyson Gamble. Look, I've had enough of Tyson Gamble. Running <laughs> out and getting involved. Because in he's on your team, that's why. No, I just think <laughs> the stupidest thing the NRL did was get rid of fighting in the game. Because it's it's not just not just Tyson. Like, look at Luai as well. Like these five eights mm. and these halfbacks wouldn't be as smug and in the face of these front rowers and these second rowers if they're allowed to cop a punch. All right? So that's my warning to Tyson Gamble. Tyson, I, I don't think if you could cop a punch, you'd be running him out. And it's, it's going to happen. 
someone's going to lose that in one day and they're going to absolutely land one on him. Um, that's all I've got to say about Tyson. Uh, and my final just one. Just quickly, I'm, just, yep. just before we get to the final, I just want to bring up something that your brother has mentioned here on the Latrell thing before we move on from it, which I think is a, is a perfect point in case. Latrell, has he ever spoken poorly, though? I don't remember him saying anything like in the, the realms that we've seen Luai do in his career so far. And, and Luai doesn't get booed once from, from anyone. So there's got to be factors there why it is happening. And, and as Mike, Mick has really pointed out there, like it's nothing compared to what we've gone at Luai for. And they're not even sure. Like Luai's had a go at his own fans for crying out loud. So Latrell for mine hasn't done, done anything near what Luai's done. It's because he's a country music fan and he was shotgunning beers with Luke Coombs or however you pronounce it. He deserves to be booed for that. Boo. God, that was on an NRL 369. Thrilling entertainment. Um, My final one is James Tedesco. Look, I've had enough. Um, You know know you knew it was coming. You know it's my pet hate. Look, the Roosters caused the crackdown of the high shot back in 2021, just before Magic Round. Um, and the reason they did that was because Tedesco fell into a tackle from a right and All right, it's continued on. Tedesco, three years on, or three seasons on, is still falling into tackles. Friday night was an absolute joke. It's about the third time this year that Tedesco has missed a game because I've well, got to the 10 game thing because he was, he was actually on his knees. He was on his knees. Like, how's someone, <laughs> how's someone meant to, avoid hitting someone when they're on their knees and they're already committed to a tackle. Like, how long is this going to go on for? Like, I get it. You don't want to see players get hurt. You don't want to see players... About as long as your segment. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) But do you you just get what I'm saying? Has anyone else had enough of this guy? Honestly, he's one of the highest-paid players (laughs) in the game. He's meant to be one of the best fullbacks in the game. He can't even pass a ball and stand up at the same time. Teddy, it's time to retire or go to the Super League. (laughs) I think that's why, as well, Sebo didn't actually get Simbi or anything for that tackle. So, yeah, it wasn't much, yeah. much in it. No, but it, it's been happening for a very long time. I don't see it changing. Um, it's it the way that he's going to continue to play his rugby league. It's the way he's going to continue to win penalties for the Roosters. So, yeah. Mmm, I agree. <laughs> Harold? Uh, Harold? Harold, Harold, love more. I don't know if Harold can say anything. <laughs> Things that make you go, mmm. So <laughs> we'll, we'll try and move on. Harold, I don't know if you've sat on your keyboard or something, but um, <laughs> thanks for your comments. Thanks for, for getting the, the feed going. I uh, appreciate it. Uh, Adam, thank you for your segment. It was supposed to be one segment. So somehow managed to turn into three. Which I, only Adam three I, I had to keep going. I, I, I hate footy. I, I so love the way. Yeah, you hate footy, but look at him go. Uh, all right, let's go to... One of my pet hates at the moment, and it's the whole. Is this Joel's bit? No, it's it kind of in, in a way, but I normally say that's at the Para podcast, which I'm not allowed to, to mention here because people get upset by me. But uh, we'll go, we'll move on. Harold, love you, mate. But mm. let's get. <laughs> um, this, yeah. <laughs> oh, anyway, we um, the playmakers and, and teams in general in attack. It's like the basics of rugby league are getting thrown out the window because so many times we see like three on twos or or four on threes, and instead of simply going through the hands to generate a try that will be clearly just numbers 
there's always that stupid, ridiculous cutout ball thrown, which I, for the life of me, don't understand because nine times out of ten, it doesn't come off. It's like the players are just wanting to show off that they've got a pass in them, which you'd hope when you're training every day for six hours, you do. You'd hope you'd have a bit of a cutout pass in there. Show a bit of footy basics, I feel like. It's just annoying me, and it sort of sums up a lot of the attacking structures we're seeing in the game at the moment. Um, voice. No, uh, I, I, I completely agree. Um, prime example in the Knights game, Kalen Ponga threw it into row, row 12. He had a massive overlap, massive overlap, and he threw this miracle pass that went straight over the top of everyone. Latrell has a beautiful left pass, like it's it's gun barrel, but threw it into the crowd again. So you're right; it's this cutout pass where you could just go through the hands um, and easily get the overlap that's already there. But they, it's not flashy enough. It's not. You know, that's what I think they're looking for. Is that really flashy? They're looking for the highlights reel. Um, I'd I'd try and throw that pass if I got the idea. Like, if I could see it happening, I'd probably throw that pass too. It's not that. It's it's due to the defensive structure of nearly every team in the comp. Nearly every team in the comp backs the up and outside uh, defence, so obviously leaving that outside number. So the whole point of the cutout pass, if it's crisp enough, is to obviously hit that outside winger um, without giving the chance for the opposition winger to be able to slide. So they should still be on the centre. That's why every team backs it. Every team tries to do it. That's why the linesman's there. Good yeah. point, Nicholas. <laughs> they're, 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 not, they're not always getting it right, obviously. Um, the one we actually spoke about in the game yesterday was one of the South Sydney players. What's I'm not going to try and say. Kalawa Matangi. Um, yeah, Kalawa Matangi. But that was, use a bag in that one. That was a flick pass that went 15 metres. I've got to give the big that second impressive. credit for that. You know, watching that live, that was impressive. I want also to add to just it. because it reminded me of what I've been hating for so long at the moment. I, I want to I want to add to what I just said from the attacking point now that centers, a lot of centers don't have the ability to actually draw and pass anymore um, quickly. That they're all flashy, they're all stepping. There's no power running centers really left in the game. It's all Bradman the tap best, on. Bradman best probably is, but you know the play would be designed around a block player them hitting him anyway on that ball. They don't have the ability to actually draw and pass with quick speeds. So that's why that cutout pass is trying to try and create that extra man and catch the fullback out of position, essentially. Which, look, if you play in Parramatta on Friday night, Mike Aceva was jamming in for that cutout pass and giving everyone a free try. It was like Oprah handing out cars. He was handing out tries. <laughs> uh, let's move on to TPJ, Tavita Pengai Jr. announced his retirement late last week, so we weren't able to talk about it on last week's show. Uh, a bit of a shock in terms of I don't think we've seen him actually retiring from the game. Not a shock that I think the Bulldogs wanted to move him on. Um, what what do you sort of remember of his career? For mine, it's sort of the talent that could have been. I've got no doubt we'll probably see him in the game again in the next 12 to 18 months, be up at one of the Queensland clubs. But it's just a talent that we never got, got to see reach its potential. Uh, Jez, what, what do you make of his career if this is, in fact, the end of it? Uh, I agree with what you said. It's definitely a, a career that we probably didn't get to see in full flight. He had moments of brilliance at the Broncos where you thought this guy's going to be around forever and, and really be the next Tom Alolo. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, injuries, a um, bit overweight. It's He just he has not fired the way that he should have or the way that his talent, um, the talent that he has, he, he should have definitely done a lot more, should have played a lot more origin as well. But, just couldn't put two games together. I liked that um, Wayne Bennett's offered him a lifeline, though, if he 
does want to come back to rugby league, then he said, I'll have him at the Dolphins. So Wayne's already looking into the future. He's a, he's a good coach, that bloke. Adam? Yeah, Michael's just mentioned as well. His time at Penrith was probably his best footy. Um, he was fit. He yeah. was playing in the second oh, yeah. row. Um, wasn't too big. Like I think he's another one that's just suffered with the way the game's gone. Um, obviously, the drop of the interchange as well. Um, and the size of him and, like, Graham just said, a, a bit of laziness as well where you can't really afford to be lazy with those, I guess, faster, more mobile forwards and lock forwards in the game. Um, look, wish him all the best. I, I think mentally um, Origin might have been a bit of a blow for him as well. Obviously, being in that Origin team, not getting the minutes and then getting dropped out. I, I think what was said on the radio is he's just lost a bit of his passion. Um, they're having a bit of a true session at the Bulldogs and he pretty much, no one expected he's come out and said, I'm just going to retire at the end of the year and, an hour later, the phone call was made and Gus got the phone call and pretty much said, yeah, that we're moving him on. He doesn't want any money. He just wants to go. So it's, it's crazy how it all happened. Uh, I wish him all the best in boxing. And if you're going to do one thing to me that make me really like you, please knock out Nelson. <laughs> and on a, on a footy side of things, I think the Bulldogs deep down will be quite happy about this, the fact that he's off the books now for being on the money he was on. It does free him up now to go after... I guess that playmaker they probably need. Um, there's not many available at the moment, but um, we'll, we'll see what, what they can come up. They've got a bit more money now to play with and a couple more pubs probably. So we'll, we'll see what the Bulldogs can muster, <laughs> muster up. So let's talk about <clears throat> uh, our last talking points to get your questions in as well. And I'm sure there'll probably be a few people talking about this one. It's the Garrick tackle um, that we've seen and um, Charles Nickel. Clock stad uh, obviously ran in the bounce on ball after um, the drop or the field goal and yeah it was a an ugly look but in this in the rules of the game nothing actually illegal about it. What were our views on this one? Yeah, there was nothing illegal about it in the sense of the rule book, but there was a point that Seabol brought up in the press conference and he said that yes, it was a bouncing ball. I understand that but we're getting pulled up for the slightest crusher or if someone's slipping from the chest to the jaw, that's given a penalty straight away. However, a bloke falling from near six foot flat onto his back because his legs were taken out from him, I don't care if the ball's bouncing. It's player safety. That could have ended really poorly. He's lucky that he landed flat on his back. If he lands on his neck, anything could have happened there. Is it still a non-penalty if he lands on his neck? Is it still not a penalty if he goes off on a stretcher? There, that's... I just, I, it didn't look fantastic live, and the replay slow motion, again, didn't look good. By the rule book, totally legal. However, I don't agree with it. Yeah. I just, we'll, we'll get to Adam, but I love how you explain everything now with this microphone. You just sound so soothing. It just <laughs> takes me away. It takes me to another another place. And all this, oh. Adam, Sign up off we go. You kind, you kind, you kind of don't want to disagree with him. He's just saying stuff. There. Look, it, it was sloppy. It was accidental. It, it's one of those things that we can't take all the accidents out of the game, and we've been trying to for too long. Um, it didn't look good. Was there malice? No. You know, I, I think that. See, oh, oh, chance. I can't even say his name. One of those names. Once it's too long. Nickel Clockstat. Yeah, let's just call him C CNK. But. Um, <laughs> You are. It's one of those ones where he, I think he thought he was going to get penalised straight away, put his hand up and apologise for it straight away. So you could tell straight away. Everybody stopped. Doesn't, doesn't seem like a dirty player. So, look, for me, we can't just, we can't be penalising everything. And that, that game would have been decided by that decision if they decided to penalise it. 
Uh, I know they can turn around and say it wasn't. I, I just want to highlight one more thing that it was really good that we got a, another Manly coach having a blow up though in the press conference <laughs> and using the word ridiculous a ridiculous amount of times. It, it brought back wonderful memories. It just wasn't the same inflection on it though. He wasn't ridiculous. red. He wasn't as red as he needed to be. <laughs> no, but put okay, put a Parramatta jersey on, um, and that tackle happens. Do you have the same opinion? Well, we wouldn't have got the penalty. That's <laughs> no, one no, thing no. I can guarantee after but Friday. No. Would you would you be as calm about it? This is what like the genuine question. Put your team were, in that if, position. If Parramatta were twenty two all, um, I'd be surprised for one. But look. It's a hard one. I, there's so many things. It's honestly, like, it's honestly the first time in a while that I think a lot of people sat back and were sort of like, "I feel like I want this to be a penalty, and it should be. I should be blowing up about it." But at the same time, I don't really know what I'm blowing up about here, sort of thing. It was, I don't know. I thought that's explained it well. Yeah, like, I did. Yeah, within the rules, it's... it was explained very well. By the rule book, there was nothing wrong with it. And, you know, obviously the rule book's what we've got to go off. Um, in saying that, we can think of, you know, another decision in the Knights game, as we mentioned earlier, that wasn't called by the rule book. So it, it highlights mm. once again that all fans want is consistency. If that same thing happens on the weekend, I'm trying to hold in a sneeze, if that same thing happens this weekend, if there's footy games on this weekend, I'm not actually sure, um, then... The fans want that same decision to be made. They don't want to turn around now. Okay, because there's mm. controversy, let's give it a penalty. Because that's going to piss manly fans off more. Yeah. So you've stuck with it. It's got to be right. If you're going to change it, and you're going to decide that it is dangerous, change it in the off season, then rule it on it next year. Yeah, and I think, and I'll bring up this last uh, one. I'll save for because it sort of gets us into a little bit of an an extra talk point we can do while people get their questions in and things like that. It's. Um, this one by G-Man is is the whole – it's not illegal, but the rules uh, – it's not in the rules. It's that problem, fix the rule. And it's sort of a little bit where you just alluded to, Adam, and I listened to it on Saturday as well, and Moses was talking about it as well, is that we're at a point now, and it made me think about it, we slowed the game down so much. And we always talked about – the last couple of years we hear the NRL talk about they're wanting to speed the game up. It's literally the opposite at the moment. I feel like the game is the slowest it's been in, in a number of years. It gets to the point where I was watching the, the game yesterday on Channel 9, um, the Channel 9 game, and they literally made a point about saying we had three minutes of free-flowing football of no stoppages. Like, if we're going to go on about three minutes of open footy, I think the game's in a massive amount of trouble because that should just be a given. We should be at least three minutes. It, it should be up towards the 10-minute where we start to talk about going all. Oh, We've had 10 minutes of the game being in play, and that's when your playmakers come into it. They're kicking for touch. They're trying to slow the game down on purpose. Not We get captain's challenges for players that we know they've done the, the wrong call, the referee, or the, the sorry, the right call, but the players just want to stop play. Like we've seen now with the injuries with cramps and stuff, the referee's gone back to slowing. They'll stop in the game, getting the ball, making putting it to the, to the next player. That takes a couple of seconds. This, this is the, the game at the moment is the slowest I've seen it in quite some time. And I don't want more rules, as you said before, Adam, to, to slow it down even more. Like, we need to speed the game up. We need to keep the Damien Cooks in um, league beach available. And, yeah, beach sprinters. Um, someone who's actually our strike weapon in this game. Like, the number 14-year-old should be a strike weapon in the game. I think everyone in the game at the moment, if they really put their head down, could play 80 minutes. 
that's how slow yeah. I feel like it is at the moment. You go back to the point of obviously during COVID stuff, they brought in the six again, uh, went back to the one referee. And the whole point of that was Peter Lemmy saying, we want obviously the ball in, you know, more time with the ball in the game and stuff like that, speeding up the game and obviously drop the interchange rule and things like that as well. It was the whole point around the game. But here we are stopping it all the time. And, you know, this shit where they're going back with the bunker and calling things that happened, you know, one or two sets to go down, just to put them on report. Like, why does that need to happen? If you're not going to go back and take it, it yeah, can happen after that. Actually, yeah, yeah. watches every game anyway. It's just, it's like it's a cock fest for the referee in the bunker to turn around and, and say, all right, we didn't make that mistake. We didn't miss this. Well, you did miss it because you didn't call it live. And, look, I know the referees in the bunker, they, they obviously get reviewed for everything they do for the game. Um, you know, Graham Annesley comes out and apologises for all their mistakes every week anyway, but they get reviewed of what they've done. Keeps him in the job. It keeps him in the job, 100% it does. But it's, like I said, there's just too much happening and there's, like I said, there's too much inconsistency in the game. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna throw another talking point out there quickly and we'll come back to this one. I know Jeremy, but the James Fisher-Harris crush, um, hip drop. How that bloke didn't get suspended, didn't get sin-binned, was it's probably one of the worst hip drops that's happened in a long time, besides obviously one that happened to Jackson Hastings last year, which started this whole thing. There was three people in the tackle and he lost his lost his feet and ended up on the back of the player causing an injury. And I haven't got a problem. Like, you know, obviously it was we were struggling for a while. They would hip drop with one player in the tackle and they're getting spun around and lose their feet. But when there's three people in the tackle, the third player really shouldn't be going down the back of someone. And he's now, like, his escape suspension for it um, was given a fine. Well, I don't even think it was a fine. Maybe it was just no charge. And here we have another player coming in the finals that should be suspended and seems to be getting away with it. It's just, like, consistency. That's all I want. Fans want consistency. It's all and Parramatta to be better. <laughs> Which additional talker point do you, want to, do you want to mention, Jez? Here we go. We've got a few out there. Uh, nah, it would just be goal kicking. Yeah. Nah, it would just be goal kicking. Uh, I don't um, really have any extra. I, I want to touch back on the Ruben Garrick thing just real quick. So I think the the issue is, yes, it's within the rule book, but because he was put into a dangerous position by another player. So if the other player wasn't there, he wouldn't have flipped. He wouldn't have landed on his back, potentially his neck. So, yes, it's within the rule book. Yes, it can happen in every tackle. We mustn't forget we play a contact sport here. Things do happen. Um, but I think it was just the... And it was it was so fantastic as well. Like just the it was a spectacle the way it happened. And my only argument is that he was put into a dangerous position by another player. His legs were taken out. He was flipped. So I think that's where player safety comes into it. Um, that's all I had to say on that. That's where's all I have to say about that. <laughs> where's the dangerous position in it though? That, that's started. His legs were taken out from beneath him. But the ball had bounced. The ball had bounced. And then he lands on his back, and which happens in most tackles these days. So whatever happens during it, it happened. Like people could do double could dribble black backflip if they want. You can, look, you can look at it, you can look at it from three angles there. It, like he didn't go past horizontal, but you see tackles where they lift off the ground, they don't go above the horizontal and they're penalized for lifting tackles. So you can yeah. classify oh, I do, I do as- have a gripe. I do have a gripe. Are you ready? Here's Jeremy's blow up. Um, tackles getting called high, even though first contact's on the chest and then they bounce up onto it's the chin. Getting called... <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I'm getting too much heat in the comments, so I'm, I'm running away from it. <laughs> and it's your brother too. Go away, Michael. Um, that's my gripe. That's my gripe. 
Contact first is on the chest, and because it bounces up, hitting him on the chin, it's called a high tackle. Can we not go with the first contact? Can we go back to yep. Garrick quickly? Because I'm going to go everywhere. We're going everywhere. I'm going to look at this from another point of view, right? Was it not dangerous to chance that he jumped up with his legs like he did? Yeah. Can we look at it from that angle? True. Yeah. You know, oh, the kick out. Yeah, Billy Slater kicking out. Absolutely. Hundred percent. You can find it's happened. Like, look at. Let's go look back and look at. Um, what was that Fijian's name that played for Vunivalu? Vunivalu. Vunivalu jumped over the line. It was dangerous, and that was called a dangerous tackle. So the way he's jumped up with his legs, with the player approaching him, it's essentially a high foot in soccer, but it could be a high foot in rugby. There's so many ways you can look at what happened, and I think the best decision was made just to leave it. Yeah. The other way um, you could yes, look at it, Michael. That's exactly what I'm saying. Don't con- don't tackle the legs at all because that takes out dangerous position. It takes out hip drop. Um, but then also don't tackle high because you'll bounce up and hit them on the chin. Um, but then, as the other comment from Troy, just be careful of the bumpers because they're running with their elbows pointed at your face. Um, we're fixing the game right here and now. Come on, guys. There's, a simple, there's a simple solution this week. Um, we might as well try it in the Parramatta Penrith game. I reckon it's a really good idea. Um, everyone just wears tags, tag shorts, and um, we'll put tags on, and we'll play men's league tag and, and might save Parramatta from an embarrassing school line on Thursday night. So Have you seen the episode of that. South Park called Sarcastable? That's where we're heading. You might also you get a trip to London out of it, so you never know. Good, good yeah. trip to, what was it, London? <laughs> Ireland, Ireland, yeah. Ireland. Yeah. Ireland, sorry, one of them. Look, I'm actually in the process. I'm actually in the, the I'm actually in the process of the hunter here of actually next year we're trying to get a men's league tag comp going on a Friday night. We've got about five or six teams committed so far. I've got to get eight teams and take it to the league. And I think it'd be great. You'll be able to play footy without getting absolutely smashed and feeling sore for the next three or four days. So it could take off. We could be onto something. Look, I'm going to get us away from this for um, hopefully the rest of the episode. I want to quickly ask you boys two questions. One is the top four finishing. Out of these two teams, who makes it? We've got the Storm, 34 points. Sharks, 32 points. Now, the points differential, Storm is plus 137. Sharks are 130. Out of those two, only one can obviously make the top four. Who is it? I've got the Storm. I've got the Storm. And it's only because I'm going to back the Knights next week against the Sharks at home on Old Boys Day. Uh, so yeah. that is that is my reasoning. And the Storm are just playing good footy at the moment. It seems like they're clicking into gear and it could be quite dangerous coming into finals time, as Adam pointed to last week. Mm, I was about to say, like, well, I don't know my, my, my decision job is pretty obvious, guys, so I think the Storm can win the comp. Um, look, I think just looking at who they play, obviously Melbourne play the Gold Coast this week. The Sharks play Newcastle. I don't think it really matter if the Sharks beat Newcastle or not. Uh, I think Melbourne obviously do the Gold Coast. And then Melbourne play Brisbane the week after. I think Penrith will destroy Parramatta that bad this week. They'll jump that far forward and against ahead of Brisbane that it won't matter the week after. So Brisbane will rest players and Melbourne will be able to beat Brisbane up in Brisbane. So I have Melbourne coming forth. Just on the whole Storm thing I want to quickly talk about is um, why are you boys so big on, on the Storm and, and favour them so much? Because what I've seen on the weekend is something I've seen for the Storm a lot this year is that they've been very hot and cold and, their cold performances are really bad where normally we used to associate the storm with being so between that eight and seven mark, no matter what, um, even on a, on a bad day where I think this year is the first year we've seen them on a bad game. They're down there at like that four mark. They're not playing good footy at all. And I think on the weekend, anyone other than probably the dragons beat them. That, that's what, sort of how badly they were playing. So 
I'm a bit. I, I think they'll make the top four. I think they'll be the team that does it just because they've got that game advantage. But I don't think they're going to be a, a worry at all in this competition. Oh, no point. But I sorry, Adam. It's um, it just comes down to the system that they've got in place. So yeah. you look at the history books, you look at the past seasons, you look at the players that have gone through that club, they all have that buy-in. So if the players have that belief, the fans have that belief, NRL fans or true watchers of NRL will also have that belief that Storm will turn it on when it comes the right time. Yeah, it comes to the coach and the system like Jeremy's they've got in place. He gets them up footy, he gets them motivated. And as Michael said too, they, they peak every time of that time of year. Uh, so I've got them finishing fourth and playing, obviously, Penrith week one. Whether they beat Penrith or not, which I think they can do, because let's be honest, Penrith are due for a bit of bad luck in some finals games. Um, they've kind of had a pretty good rub of the green in the last couple of years when it comes to decisions and 50-50s and things going their way, uh, obviously players staying on the field and stuff. Even if they get beat by that, they go play in Melbourne the week after, which you think they'd win, and then they're probably going to be a chance at Brisbane in Brisbane, which is pretty much going to be a Melbourne home game as well with the amount of fans they've got there. So, And obviously Melbourne's record at Suncorp is ridiculously good. I've obviously That's... put a little bit of thought into it because I spent a lot of time on the ladder predictor trying to work out how Parramatta could make the eight, and I end up with Melbourne coming fourth every time. That's <laughs> why we get the best to you guys. League uh, of Inches experts, Jez and Adam, they go do the research, stay on the ladder prediction for hours. Um, love it. Good work, boys. Just on that. On that ladder predictor, if <clears throat> Parramatta win by 50 this week um, and Canberra get beat by 50, and then Parramatta, someone else gets beat by 50 the week after. Parramatta can still make it, all right, guys? So don't give up. There's oh. still hope. So, Michael, get your jersey oh, back out of the cupboard Jesus. And, <laughs> and get off Facebook. Honestly, you know how to put me in a mood, don't you? Far out. Um, <laughs> and not, not a good mood either, that is, by the way. Three hasn't, three three there's hasn't, still a chance. He hasn't given up hope yet. Look, there's, there's not any Oh, of course he has. He never gives up hope. It'll be in. It'll be the off season. It'll be still going. There's a chance we'll make this. They'll, they'll bring us back somehow. It'll be the grand final. There'll be two teams left. Two teams in the grand final left. Parramatta could still make it. We're watching the grand final. Be there, putting the comments. Oh, boys, get ready. We'll be asked to go and play this game. Look out. Um, look, eighth spot for mine is up for grabs. The top seven are in. They're, they're done. So congratulations, Newcastle. You're playing finals footy. Um, South Sydney, twenty-eight points. Plus 73 points differential. Cowboys, 28 points, plus 12. And the Roosters, all of a sudden, 28 points, minus 62, which could hurt them a bit. But what do we see out of those three teams? There's obviously a blockbuster in two weeks' time, Roosters versus South Sydney Rabbitohs. Who makes this eighth spot? There's three teams that, on paper, could beat anyone in that top eight, but they just haven't been out of click. I think it's the Roosters. I think the Roosters make the eight. Don't know why, but that's just who I think. That's my gut feeling is that the Roosters make the eight. The way that they played on the weekend, I think the game against South without Luttrell, without the emotion that's going to be there as well, I I just see the Roosters making the eight. They don't deserve it, but I see them making it. I wish I knew this four weeks ago and I cashed out my Roosters to make the eight. (laughs) Uh, that I put on as a little smoky bet, and I cashed out to just get my money back. I was happy with me ten bucks. You never but if cashed I kept out. It on, you never cashed uh, I thought there was absolutely no chance, and here we are. Oh, well. Look, I think I think the Knights actually miss the eight. They lose to Cronulla. They lose to St George. The Cowboys win both games. Um, no, I'm just joking. But I, I think it's the Roosters as well. Like I said, momentum's a funny thing. Um, 
obviously going to be a blockbuster game out there. Roosters will do the Tigers this week and see us will miss out. It'd be, it'd be interesting the shape of that bottom fifth to eighth as well because they all play each other. Like Newcastle can end up coming fifth. And if they do, if they win both their games and come fifth, you'll have a team that's won, what, nine games in a row against a team in the Roosters that's won, what, five in a row or something going into it. That'd be pretty, pretty big, pretty big match out there. Yeah, and if not, we might get to go to Canberra, game. Adam. Yeah, I'm keen for a trip to Canberra. I can't wait to do Viking Club. <laughs> you, you mentioned um, the Broncos maybe resting players. I think Penrith might do that as well last round. Oh, so. they definitely will. Yeah, so don't, what you're saying is, Joel, don't go to sleep on the Cowboys. Don't go to sleep on the Cowboys yet. Yeah, if the Knights lose both games, they're in trouble. Yep. Yeah, I don't think they'll lose both. I think they're playing well enough to at least snag one of those. But anyway, not anyway. Can only hope. That is <laughs> that is it, guys. If you have any last minute questions, quickly get them in. But I think that's that's a show for us. That's a that's a wrap. Um, a longer version than we have done the last few weeks. So there's plenty to talk about. Uh, oh, hang on, we've got a comment here. It's oh, you what, you oh, yeah. no, what you just said. Yeah, well, yeah, sorry, it's what you said. Great minds think alike. So. G-Man, thanks for helping us here and, and keeping the show rocking. You want to basically help us out here and, and you can be on the show. Send us a resume and, and we'll get you on. So, I, hope, um, um, I hope Harold's all right before we sign off. I just I haven't seen him give us a mmm in a while. Sorry, yeah, just about perhaps. We are hearing it's only rumours this stage, G-Man. We can't say too much about it. The Melbourne Storm play a little bit of tricks, but it'll be good to see him back in the NRL. He's probably the game to do it. If there is a they need to put him in before finals. You need to test him out. You'd rather him get injured now. I hate to say it. You'd rather something happen now than in finals and it impacts him uh, a lot more than it would losing him at this stage. Uh so good luck if he is named. I think everyone will be watching. So tough, um, tough but on the... for Nick Meany though. He's been playing really well. Can we say yeah, I don't know put him either. Harold, I think I think I've worked out Harold. Harold's actually on the Simpson. He's just had the Woody Woodpecker going on the mouse the whole time. <laughs> uh, I think, Your brother I reckons think it's healthy, um, Harold. <laughs> <laughs> I think Harold's Troy's alias is a count on YouTube. So I think he's just getting into us a bit. Still, still hurting. But it's all love, Troy. I know you, you love us deep down inside, but keep keep the digs coming. We love it, um, guys. That's it. That's the show. We'll wrap it up. Just again, what we've spoken about at the start. Just a real condolences out there to Kyle and his family and um, friends of Kyle's as well. I'm not sure what is happening with the funeral at this stage. If there's any details about it, but um, we'll try and get him out there when we do know. Um, a bit disappointed there wasn't no minute silence at the start of that game yesterday, which we didn't really talk about, but that was an interesting decision there. Hopefully when South have their next home game, which will be the last round, I think hopefully they've got some stuff set up there to do that. Um, and, yeah. I think get, get... just on that point, Joel, um, everyone in the crowd was also asking why we weren't doing a minute silence. We were all prepared. I know the, the group around us, we were talking about it before the game. I know that Adam said, um, you know, they might save that for a home game. But still, I think the NRL should have stepped in there and said, no, no, this is a pretty big thing to happen. There's lots of people in our game that um, might be suffering the same. So let's do a minute silence. And it's a minute of your life. I just think, yeah, it was a bit of a missed opportunity um, from everyone involved. I know that they brought out the jersey and put it on the seat, but even there was no ground announcement. So yeah. 
whether that's Newcastle's fault, whether that's the NRL's fault. Um, I only saw the jersey thing on the replay of the Fox Sports coverage. So yeah. just that's, that was yeah, the weird I think thing someone needs that, to do better we, there. We saw that, that happen and Sutto was bringing out the jersey, which was, was a great um, thing to watch, and they're retiring that number, obviously. But And obviously this isn't Newcastle's fault or the ground announcers, but as, as we've seen him come just out of the tunnel, he's announcing that the players are starting to run out. So it was sort of like that beautiful moment was lost in a way. Like I would have liked yeah. it to hold the Newcastle players back another minute or two, let this unfold how it should be with great respect. We, we all focus in on this number 15 jersey and all have a bit of a moment to think about it. I think would have just been a great night, uh, a great time to sort of reflect in that. And if people are worried about the moment, silence, and there's always idiots that ruin it, just do the applause thing then. Just do it that way and just that way you cover out any of those that awkwardness or any idiots out there that, that don't do the silence. So, but I, I, as, I, G, I as G-Man just said, maybe the family know. didn't want. Oh, was that what you're going to say, Adam? Yeah, I, I think that in the full circumstances weren't quite out of what actually had happened yet. Um, yeah. You know, obviously break for you, and it was obviously it was pretty obvious to all the way it was written. But I think obviously South Sydney would and the NRL probably would have wanted to communicate with the family, um, and obviously they got that opportunity with South having the guy and a bit more planning goes into it than. Potentially, you know, I'm not going to say a high minute silence because I wouldn't expect people to yell out stuff and that. But you remember you had a, a sellout crowd in Newcastle for the first time in a long time. Um, Sunday game, there would have been people drinking before the game at the pubs and stuff. So you don't know what could have been yelled out and stuff. And I think by leaving it for the South Sydney home game was probably the right thing to do. Um, obviously, the touch of respect was there for everyone to see. And, you know, there's Instagram posts and things like that throughout the day. And like I said, it's... it's there's more to it, I think, than just saying let's have a minute silence. I, I dare say Newcastle would have offered. Um, but obviously, it was declined for some reason, so it's got to respect, obviously, the South City decision and a family decision if it was that. Yeah. Good way to end that there. And as I said, mention uh, Lifeline Australia for anyone doing it a bit tough. Reach out. All three of us are always available for a bit of a chat, a bit of a yarn as well, talk footy to get your mind off things or whatever it is. Reach out to the page, however so. But reach to the professionals, talk, boys. It's not a... It's not a a thing to hide about anymore it's it's out in the open you're not weak if you speak so um please thank you for listening and, and enjoy your weekend or your week sorry not weekend <laughs>